0: for joining us today at launch point church in lebanon tennessee we believe the bible is the written word of god without error and useful for every part of our lives we believe that through learning and teaching of the word others might come to know god find freedom discover their purpose and make a difference today Thanks i a- want to talk to you about a very serious subject i want to talk to you about the smear campaign that we often run against one another This is going to be a pointed conversation for the health of the church. There are conversations that we have to to encourage, to edify, glorify the name of Jesus. I think ultimately all, all of those things will happen within this conversation. But this conversation is primarily for one purpose, to equip you for unity. Um, that's the reason that the the ministerial gifts were given to equip the body of believers so that they might attain to unity of the faith. And so I want to talk to you about where I believe through prayer and some of the conversations I've seen, heard about, sadly even been involved in, that have been contrary to who we should be so that we stop doing that and start being all that God has called us to be. Amen. And so I've I've titled this Smear Campaign, but I want to specifically talk about how we smear one another through slander and gossip. And I'm going to talk about each one of these things individually. The, The Bible declares evil the evil of slander. But what is slander? Slander is this, by definition, if you look it up, a lie or false report maliciously uttered tending to injure the reputation of another. So it's a lie, but not just a lie, a lie intended to destroy on purpose the reputation of someone else. And the Bible tells us that we shouldn't do this. The Bible declares the evil of it. I'm going to read some verses to you. Or actually, I'm not going to read the verses. I'm going to read the address and I'm going to ask that you go and look at the at the, con, the, the verse. And, and they... Here they are. Their Psalms 50, 19 through 20, states that slander is a mark of the wicked. If you want to identify whether or not you're walking in righteousness or not walking in righteousness, your willingness to maliciously talk about someone else negatively or falsely is a good indication of that wickedness. It's not the only indication, but it's, a, it's an indication. Psalm 15.3 says a slanderer will not dwell with God because to slander is to sin and only the unrighteous will be with God or only the righteous will be with God. Amen? Matthew 15.10 says that it is the source of an evil heart. Matthew 15.20 says it defiles a person when we slander which means it literally corrupts us. How does slander corrupt me? I can see how it might corrupt you, but how does it corrupt someone? How does it corrupt me? It corrupts me because it causes cracks in my character. Because I have to keep up with the lie that I told. So then maybe have to tell another lie to cover up that lie. And then ultimately it's a matter of time before I am absolutely corrupted by something I could have kept should have kept my mouth about shut about in the first place. Amen? And the fact of the matter is, a large percentage of what we say we should keep our mouth shut about, especially in regard to one another. Paul commanded the Ephesians and the Colossian churches to avoid slander in Ephesians 4.31 and Colossians 3.8. Not only are we called to avoid it, not only is it evil but it tells us the effects of slander. Slander, according to Proverbs 16, 28, destroys friendships. I think all of us can attest to that because it's a matter of time before somebody says something negative about you that it doesn't get back to you. Can I I tell you all something? It's going to blow your mind and maybe make you feel a little guilty. If you feel a little guilty, you just go ahead and repent where you are. I know what you say about me. Even when you think what you're saying about me is in confidence of a friend. You know why I know that? Because the people that come to church here come to church here because they love me. And so the second you tell them something crazy, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come tell me. I want you all to ponder on that for a minute. Now you're all wondering, is he talking to me the rest of the time? I'm not talking to you specifically the rest of the time. Trust me, if I have a problem with you, I'm just going to come talk to you about it. But it destroys friendships and inflicts deep wounds. I have been hurt most often by people that lie about me, that try to destroy my character. I heard it said one time that I've never been stabbed in the back by someone I didn't trust to hold the knife. And so I let you close enough to me to hold the knife and you use that knife to inflict wounds. That's what we do to each other when we slander, not just me, this isn't about me, this is about us. It's Proverbs 26, 22. It says it destroys people. And though... I'm sorry, according to Isaiah 32, 7, it destroys people. And those who do it are fools, according to Proverbs 10, 18. Needless to say, slander, false malicious reporting for the purposes of destruction of someone else's character is a horrible thing. And here's the thing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. We've all done it. Myself included. I've promised you since the day we started the church, I would be as transparent with you as I could be. Or as I know to be. And I've done it. I've said things that I shouldn't have said about people I shouldn't have said them about. Largely because I thought it made me feel good about me. And I'd say that's the reason why most of us slander other people. Because we think somehow diminishing their light increases ours. Diminishing their influence somehow increases our influence when that's not true. The people who know the person we're talking about, it actually diminishes our influence. It doesn't increase it. We've all done it. It started in uh, Genesis chapter 3 when the enemy lied to Adam and Eve about the character of God thinking that God wanted to keep something from them, thinking that God didn't want them to have everything he promised them. He told them a lie about God's character, and Eve believed it. We've all done it. Slander, I mean. But I don't want to just talk about slander. I want to talk about gossip, too, because gossip and slander go hand in hand. What's the difference between gossip and slander? Slander is the malicious False truth. Gossip doesn't necessarily have to be false. Let me explain. If so-and-so is getting a divorce, and I know them, and we've discussed it, and I go to somebody who's not involved and said, did you hear so-and-so is getting a divorce? Is that a lie? It's not a lie. But it is gossip and it's a sin. It's wrong. You know why? Because I'm talking to you about a problem you can't fix. Why are you calling to someone with a problem that they can't fix instead of going to the person with the problem so you can help them fix it? God has not called us to talk about each other whether it's truthful or untruthful, God has called us to love one another, to walk alongside one another, to remember one another, to to have peace with one another, to walk in unity with one another, not to gossip about one another. If you'll look at this original smear campaign thing, I wrote it specifically this way on purpose because this is how a smear campaign happens. And you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about. We go up. We talk to somebody ain't involved in whatever the situation is and we ask them a question. We go, "How hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And then this conversation happens. This dot, dot, dot conversation happens. And then whoever we told gets excited about the story they heard and then they leave excited to ask somebody else if they've heard the same thing. which tells somebody else, who tells somebody else, who tells somebody else, who ultimately smears the reputation of the people that they have no business talking about in the first place. And we need to do better. Why am I talking about this, church? I'm talking about this because we can do better. We're not called to be this. We're called to be family. Whether it's true, whether it's not true. I've heard people say it, man, uh... It's not gossip if I'm telling the truth. No, it is. It's gossip because it is the truth, but you're not telling the truth to the right person. Make sure what we say about each other is loving and kind and that we are speaking specifically to the people who we can help solve their problem or they can help solve ours or determined to keep our mouths shut. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I, I don't want to know. But I would say a large number of you have slandered and or gossiped within the last week or two about something. may not be that big a deal to you, but somebody has done it. We've determined that our needing to know is more important than their need to get better. And so we decided to talk about them and destroy their reputation. We can't do it, and the Bible tells us why. Specifically, James tells us why. In James chapter 4, if you'll turn there, That's the verses I'm going to use. Before I do that, I want to tell you that when we slander and when we gossip, we destroy unity in the church. Brother Gary back from his mission trip. Hope you had a good time. It was amazing. Good. Uh, so we destroy unity. Romans 16, 17 says, Now I urge you, brethren, Keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teachings which you learned and turn away from them. Let me break that down for you. Brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances. You know who causes dissension and hindrances? You know who creates disunity? Those who slander and gossip. And then what does it say to do to them? It says pay attention to them, and then once you've identified who they are, turn away from them. He's saying stop talking to them. Stop hanging out with them. Maybe if they refuse to repent according to the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in their sin, you turn them out of the church. Because I'd rather have you turned out of the church than destroy the body of the church. And you're oh, Pastor Jim, that's harsh. It's not harsh. It's the protection of the unity of the church which is a protection of the reputation of the church, which is a protection of the reputation of Christ of the church. Amen? Matthew 12, 25 says, and knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, now this is, is, he's talking about something different, but the principle is still the same. He said, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And any city or house divided against itself will not stand the principle is true regardless of the context the principle is true if this house is divided it's a matter of time before it doesn't exist if there's no dis- if there's no unity here it's a matter of time before we're broken And I didn't start the church. You guys haven't poured your blood, sweat, tears, and finances into the church to see it broken into pieces and not here five years from now. But I will tell you, if we can't come together as family, if we can't talk good about each other, if we can't support one another, if we can't correct each other in love, then it's a matter of time before that disunity happens and the church will fail. Amen. y'all think this is serious? I think it's serious too. I think it's serious enough to have a serious familial conversation. You guys ever have those conversations when you were young, your parents, or for me, it was my papa and my granny. They'd say, hey, let's go to the kitchen table. We're going to have a family conference. You know, that wasn't going to be good, you know, but it was necessary. It's time for us to have a family conversation. It may not be good, it may not it may not make your feelings may not make you feel good about it, but at the end of the day, it will benefit this family if we'll listen to it, as is every piece of the Word of God. If we'll just listen to the Word of God, we'd all be better off amen so James gives us four four areas to examine in our thinking. Verse 11 and 12 says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Amen. Let's talk about this. Point one I want to make today is that we mustn't smear one another. I love these words in this particular text. It says this. Do not speak against one another brethren who speaks against a brother or judges his brother. Why do you think it uses brethren, brother, and brother three times repetitively within One half of one verse. Because when we smear one another, we're smearing our family. We are family. He wanted to emphasize we're family. He would have just said, hey, brother, don't do that. But he said, hey, brother, hey, brother, brother, come on. We have to understand that it's our responsibility, our family responsibility to love, support, and protect one another, which is the opposite of slander and gossip, to love, support, and protect. I have a brother. I have a physical brother. His name is John. Many of you know him. He's about this tall, about that big around. Mean as a... Well, let's just say he's mean. I, I'm trying to think of a righteous thing to say, and I just can't come up with nothing because I grew up with him. Uh, but he's mean. But he's the most loving, caring guy until you mess with his family. I can remember I was I was smaller. I was a, when I got as tall as I am now, actually taller because I've lost two inches somehow. I guess that happens when you're old. There was a time I was a hundred or six foot four, a hundred about seventy pounds. You know how big that is. That's like pipe cleaner big. And my brother would always take care of me. He would always love me. He would always protect me. He would always support me. I never had to worry about anybody coming against me. I knew that my brother had my back. Do you know there's men in this church and women in this church that I feel the same way about? There are men in this church that I don't know what else may be going on. If I need them to love me, support me, or protect me, they'll do it. Undoubtedly. You know why? Because we're family. And we should treat each other as family We certainly shouldn't be smearing each other or talking bad about each other. Sure, the world's going to talk about us. The Bible says the world's going to talk about us. The world's going to smear us. Jesus was very clear to say, they hate you, they're going to hate me. Or they hate me, they're going to hate you. So we know that they're going to jam on us, but we should never jam on us. We shouldn't allow it on the inside of the church. 1 Peter 2.12 says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. You know what that means? It means you better act right because people that aren't Christian are watching you so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. That's a lot of words. He's saying act right in front of Gentiles because if you don't act right, they're going to slander you and the God that you serve. But if you act right, then they won't slander you. They won't gossip about you. They won't talk about the God you serve except to glorify him by your example. And that's what we should strive to do. We we are, I think Scott used it during the offertory. We are called to be light to the world. You know how we're light to the world? By being everything we should be inside the church. This is the equipping place. This is where we come to learn how to be Christian. Amen? Now, that's not the only place. You should be reading your own Bible and doing your own worship and doing all that kind of stuff. But this is the place where you come to hear the Word of God and have your faith built. Because faith is built by what? By hearing. By hearing the words of Christ. And so if they're going to talk about us, let them talk about us so that they may glorify God. Because we're family. I want to tell you a tale of two marriages. First marriage, the husband comes home. On his way home, he can't wait till he gets home. He knows his wife is going to be there. That she's going to love him. That she will have prepared a meal for him. That She's done everything she can to ensure he's taken care of, that there is peace in that home, that he knows no matter what happened during his day or she knows whatever may have happened during her day, that their spouse is going to be there. They're going to encourage them. They're going to love them. They're going to take care of them. They're going to support them. There is such an abundance of peace and love there that it's overwhelming. Can I tell you that, that marriage is the marriage I believe my wife and I share. I can't wait to get home. I never have to worry about what she's doing. I never have to worry about what she's saying about me when I'm not around. I never have to worry about whether there's going to be peace in my home because so far the only time there has been peace in my home is when I'm the one that messed it up. But then there's another marriage. That spouse dreads going home. They know just as soon as they hit the door, they're going to start hearing problems and there's not going to be any peace there. And their spouse is going to have conflict with them. They're not going to approve of what they've done or what they didn't do or what the person thinks that they should have done. There's no support there. There's no encouragement there. And those people decide that they don't want to do anything but separate from one another. One goes to one room, one goes to the other room, and they live their lives, all of their lives miserably. Which one of these marriages would you prefer to be in? We'd want to be in the first one, right? The love, the support, the encouragement one. And if we desire that at home, we should desire that here because family exists here as equally as it exists at home. Amen? I desire our church, I hope that you do too, to be a place of encouragement and love, a place where we're not judgmental. We do not speak or judge a brother. Now, that doesn't mean we don't judge a brother's fruit. Let me make sure I'm, I'm closing the gap and loop on that. When I say don't judge one another, I mean, don't judge one another's eternity. I can't can't put a stamp on whether you're going to heaven or hell, but I can and should judge your fruit. How am I going to know how to correct you if I don't see that you need correcting? That's judgment. How can I lovingly restore you if I don't see that you need love and restoration? That's judgment. But in my judgment, I must be gentle... Because I don't know what God is trying to work through your heart. And I know the weaknesses of my own heart. So when my wife and I have a discussion that isn't going exactly like I would hope it would go, there are still, we still pay attention to what comes out of our mouth. Because although we are called to discuss, we are never called to condemn. And when we gossip and slander one another, we condemn one another. Not encourage one another. Not try to correct one another. Not try to better one another. We in fact destroy the unity that exists here and here. And the church can do better. Amen. The second thing we do when we smear one another is we smear the law. It says, he who speaks against a brother or judges the brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Listen, this is is horribly important. Loving others is the embodiment of the law. So when I slander, when I gossip, I am showing that I judge the law of love as incorrect. Did y'all know that there's two major laws? What are they? Anybody, just tell me. Love the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when I decide to do anything contrary to that, such as slander or gossip, then what I'm saying is God doesn't know what he's talking about when he issued these laws. These laws aren't that important. I'm going to judge based on what I want what the law should look like. And I deserve to be condemned for that. The Bible tells us very specifically that in James 2.8... If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. We should love our neighbor as ourself. You should love the person next to you as yourself. Let me better that. Jesus later said, you shall love one another as I have loved you. Do you think Jesus' love for you is better than your love for yourself? Yeah, so Jesus is the So look at the person next to you. I mean, not physically, because I don't want to see you curl your lip up or nothing. (laughs) And ask yourself, am I loving them sacrificially as Christ loved me? Am I willing to put aside my personal opinion about what they're doing? Because Christ put what I was doing behind Him by offering Himself as a sacrifice. That's heavy stuff. I told you it's just time for a family conversation. Amen? Amen? The law, all the law and the prophets were fulfilled in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to go through them. But I will tell you, if you look at all ten of the commandments, all the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots, you're going to see that each of those is a representation of love. Thou shalt not covet is a representation of love's contentment. Thou shalt have no other gods is a representative of the proper focus and singularity of the love we should have. Each one of the commandments is a dedication to love. And we should love one another. To stop saying, did you hear about so-and-so? And can I ask you a favor? Next time somebody comes and slanders to you someone else or gossips to you about someone else, I want you to stop it. I want you to physically get in front of it. And let me give you a tool on how to do that. Somebody comes up and says, hey, pastor, did you hear about so-and-so? First thing I need to ask them, and the first thing you need to ask them is can I ask you what it is about my character that caused you to think I was a good sounding board for your gossip? Right? That'll shut a conversation down quick. Hey, did you hear about... Uh, uh. Is this a problem that I can solve? Because if not, then I want to know what it is about my character that caused you to believe I would be a good sounding board for your slander or gossip. And if I'm not, if my character's bad, tell me what it is. And if it is something that I can do to help, then let's go to them together and help. Amen? Amen. Don't tell me nothing you don't expect me to tell somebody else. Pastor, I want to hold something in confidence with you about so-and-so. No. Sorry. What you're asking me to do is either slander them or gossip about them. But you're supposed to hold things in confidence. If you have a problem... I'm supposed to hold things in confidence. If you have a problem with someone else, you need to talk to them. Let them hold it in confidence. Man, it'd be so much easier. Our lives would all be so much easier if we would stop talking about each other, start talking to each other. If we're family, like we talked about earlier, did you know, how many of you guys have been to a family reunion before? And you've been around cousins that you don't like. Everybody got a cousin they don't like. I don't know where they came from or why they decided to come back, but they always do. And every time you see them, you want to punch them in the eye. Right? I'm not talking crazy. I I know you. I got cousins like that. But at Grandma's house, guess what you don't do in the house? You don't punch cousin in the eye. But you might go outside, punch each other, wrestle each other, talk to each other about what the problem is. Resolve that problem and then come back into Granny's house peacefully. That's what we should do. I'm not telling y'all, punch each other and I. I'm telling you, don't bring your trash into Granny's house. Take it outside. Talk about it. Work through it. If you need somebody to come alongside you to work through it, that's why I'm here. And then come back in here and live peaceably amongst one another. Amen. All right. Number three. Not only do we, shouldn't we smear one another, but when we smear one another, we smear the law, and because we smear the law, we smear the one. We smear God, who is the lawgiver. Verse twelve a says, "There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy." I'm going to make this a very simple, short summation. This is not a long point. I want you to stand up right now if you think you have the moral fortitude to judge the God that put breath in your lungs. No, me either. I'm just standing up. I, don't, I, like I was supposed to be standing up. I don't feel good about standing up. But if God gave the law and he's the perfect judge of the law, which is love, and we don't love, then we're saying that the judgment of God isn't just. When the judgment of God is perfect, every sin that's ever been committed is against God. Psalm fifty-one tells us that is David's crying out to God, asking for repentance. What is he telling? He said, "Forgive me, my sin is first against you." Talking about God, his his sin. Wasn't against Bathsheba, although it was secondarily, or Uriah, or the nation of Israel, although it was secondarily. His sin, his primary sin, was against God. Why? Because God is the perfect moral lawgiver. And because He's the perfect moral lawgiver, He's the perfect judge of that law. And so when we say we're not going to abide by the law, we're saying that we don't think you're smart enough to know what you're talking about. And that is not where I want to be when Jesus comes back. Amen? All of this floats back to how we treat one another, how we love one another, what we are willing to do to hold unity within the house of God. And then finally, when we smear others, we smear ourselves. I told you a minute ago, you, you talk about somebody else thinking it grows your candle or your influence. It doesn't. When we slander others, we prove an inflated view of our own importance. I think I'm better than that or I'm trying to be better than them, that. And that's not what we're called to do. Romans mirrors this sentiment. 12.3 says, for, though the, for through the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, which is to, to have sound judgment is to judge without slanderous intent or contentious behavior, but in a way that is helpful. For correction. Romans 14.4 says it even better. It says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? Do you know we're all servants to the master? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Stop slandering. Stop gossiping. Let God deal with the problem you think you've been commissioned to deal with. Because let me tell you, you've not been commissioned to deal with it. You've been commissioned to deal with your own problems. And if you're anything like me, you got more problems than you can than you can take care of yourself. Amen? That's why we need a community of believers. Because even Pastor Jim needs to be kicked every now and then and say, Hey, bro, what are you thinking? And I praise God that there's people inside of this church that are willing to do that for me from time to time. So here's here's the question in regard to slander and gossip and the smear campaign that for whatever reason, the church, not just this church, but every church has historically attempted. There's one question we should ask each other. Have we taken the time to examine ourselves against the spirit-breathed word of God? specifically in regard to slander and gossip, the smear campaign that we've run against each other from time to time. And if we filter our life through that word, as stuff falls through that filter that shouldn't fall through that filter, we need to ask God to remove that stuff from us. We need to repent of that. I said earlier, jokingly, how many of you guys have said something crazy about somebody or whatever it is I said and like three quarters of you laughed. Do you know why you laughed? Because you've done it. My question is, are you willing to ask God to forgive you for doing it? And then ask Him by the power of His Holy Spirit to cause you to stop doing it. Amen? So that there might be unity, love, support, and encouragement and the house he died to build. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you and thank you that you are mighty and gracious and kind, that when we ask for forgiveness, you're faithful to forgive us, and then you restore us back to righteousness. That's your promise to us. God, I'm not trying to pretend to pray on someone else's behalf, but I pray on mine. I ask, Heavenly Father, that You forgive me where I've fallen short of Your Word, where I have, because I thought it made me look good or better, said something malicious or untrue about someone else or unverified about someone else, where I've gossiped about someone else. God, I ask that You forgive me and restore me God, that you give me the strength by your Holy Spirit to stop and love your family the way you love your family. God, I pray that same prayer over every person in this room. God, I thank you. I ask that you provoke us to necessary conversations with one another, if that's what it takes. God, that there be peace in your house. We praise you, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Everybody stand.